Hi, my name is Drew Kisson Floristal, and I'm your host for today's show on emotional intelligence. Today we'll be exploring, in a little more details, the second of the five elements defining emotional intelligence. Last time I briefly explained the basics of self-awareness, and today we'll be looking more closely at self-management. A lot of people believe that self-management skills are limited to managing emotions, but that's not true. Self-management focuses on intrapersonal skills. Those are skills that do help managing your emotions, but mostly it helps manage your responses and your actions. Intrapersonal skills have the most profound effects on your responses and your behavior because it touches upon what is the closest to who you really are. So that's why even in professional settings, very personal aspects of your personality are always going to show up no matter how much you try to suppress them. When you develop your self-management skills, there are a lot of things that are easier for you to do. It's easier to analyze situations you're in regardless of the way you feel about them emotionally. It's easier to identify sources of support in case of emotional distress. So therefore, if you're going to feel overwhelmed or if you feel yourself starting to become you know, emotionally overwhelmed about something, it's much easier for you to reach out and delegate or, you know, talk to someone about it. It's easier for you to also have the right attitudes to support the goals that you want to achieve. Uh, it's also about being able to take a solution-focused approach to managing problems. It's also much easier for you to manage change, uncertainty, and confusion without feeling anxiety. Um, it's much easier for you to be a self-starter, and it's easier for you to finish what you start. And also, it's easier for you to uh, take responsibility for the part you play in any situations. And these are just a few examples of the skills that are developed as your EQ increases. And also there are other things that, you know, come naturally from that. It's easier for you to experience appropriate feelings, no matter the situation you're in. For instance, let's say as a leader, you know, um, signs of vulnerability have always been seen as signs of weakness. But when you're emotionally confident, you know that it's okay for you to show a more human side. And as a matter of fact, that tends to have um, the effect of people actually connecting to you deeper and, uh, and, and them being able to see you manage your emotions in a difficult situation is actually even more inspiring. So in that sense, you're viewed as a better leader. It's also um, having higher levels of EQ also helps you to know how to express the appropriate feelings. Again, going back to the example that I just gave you, it's great as a leader to be able to, you know, express your vulnerability, but it doesn't mean that vulnerability has to equate, you know, emotional breakdown. So you have to know how to, um, you know, manage the appropriateness of that. And also as uh, an emotionally intelligent person, you know how to make opportunities to express feelings that cannot be expressed maybe in the original circumstance for whatever reason. So let's say you have um, a disagreement with a coworker and you didn't get to fully express the way you felt at the moment, but then you have uh, your weekly team meeting with that coworker. Well, obviously, 
if you know how to self-manage yourself, you're not going to finish this uh, conversation at your weekly team meeting. You're going to be able to control yourself and find a better moment to continue this conversation. I know these examples sound very trivial because you're thinking, huh, everybody knows how to do that. But in reality, I've observed it often enough, and I'm sure you have as well in your working environment, where you see this happen all the time. And again, these are very little things that have profound effects on the workplace. Um, as important as it is to know how you feel and how to manage your feelings, I think it's important for us to touch upon what happens when you don't express yourself. There are um, certain tendencies that are common when people don't express their emotions appropriately. And the three common ones are, the first one is displacement. And that's the one we see all the time. So basically the emotion is originally ignored and it shows up later in a similar situation. So let's say you wake up in the morning and you have an argument with your spouse, but you don't say anything about it. You go to work, something happens, and it reminds you of the feelings that you repressed and you choose to lash out at your coworker instead because you didn't do it with your, you know, with your spouse. So that's an example of displacement. The second common tendency is disproportion, which usually shows up with displacement. So if we go back to the example I just gave, so what happens is, let's say it's a very small thing that happens with your coworker that reminds you of the repressed feelings you didn't express with your spouse. So instead of reacting to it, you know, to the level that it's showing up, which is a small little thing, you just have an extreme outburst. And usually when that happens, you know, most people realize that whatever your problem is, it has nothing to do with them. But unfortunately, people who are prone to these kind of outbursts are usually the last ones to realize what they're doing. And afterwards, even if you try to explain it to them, they usually don't see it. And they continue to go on their really crazy emotional tangent about it. And again, the only reason why that happens is simply because they did not, you know, express the original feeling or emotion when it was appropriate and it boils up. And um, the third tendency that is very common in uh, unexpressed emotions is distorted thinking. Distorted thinking happens when instead of expressing your concern at the moment, you hold on to them and you go on creating those crazy stories in your head. So let's say if you have a you know, review and your boss gives you, you know, a few negative comments, instead of expressing your concerns about the review and the way that it can affect your work, you don't say anything. And then you start thinking crazy things like, you know, your boss hates you and that's the reason why you got the bad reviews. Now you're going to lose your job and you just go on that crazy tangent without even stopping yourself for a moment to reassess whether you know, they're based on facts or it's just, you know, the fictional stories you're telling yourself. Again, people who have distorted thinking uh, tendencies are very, very hard to reason with. They're the kind of people that it's very hard to talk them off the ledge, basically. 
So, you know, these are just a few examples of the way that self-management, you know, could come in really handy in the workplace. And I think this gives you a good, you know, overview of uh, different aspects of it. Obviously, it's a lot more complex and um, there are a lot of ways for us to become aware of, you know, our emotional patterns. And from there, it's easier to uh, manage them. But anyway. So uh, next week, we'll be looking more into um, self-motivation because obviously it's very important to be able to be self-motivated, especially if you want to achieve huge goals in, in your career. And we'll see how that affects your performance in the workplace. So in the meantime, have a wonderful day and bye for now.